Amen. All right. I like coming up here to preach with baptism water splashed on me. There's no better way to preach than that. That's cool. Okay, you guys don't see that as profound as I do, but that's all right. Uh, hey, before I jump into anything, I wanted to point something out. Um, next week, let me confirm this. October's over, guys. Yeah. So next week's daylight savings time ends, which means you get an extra hour of sleep unless you're a parent, which you don't really, whatever, my, my two-year-old who gets up at six, she'll get up at five. It's awesome. Um, but I will say this, uh, especially to you guys, if you can't get up for church next week, I don't know what to say, uh, but I'm trying to shame you into coming to church next week. You should come. It's going to be good. Um, so we are in a series right now called Love Handles, the Hard Work of a Good Relationship. Uh, love these series. They're always fun. I feel like they always spark good discussion in our small groups and stuff. Uh, and I just want you to know, if you're single, this is not some, oh, great, I'm going to be left out. Uh, I've been really working hard to not do that thing that churches normally do, which is just act like married people are the only people in the world. Uh, so I even have people in my small group who are single who are helping, like, keep me accountable, like, hey, don't just talk to the married people. So I, I'm asking them uh, every week, and supposedly I did a good job, even though I'm pretty sure one of them would have told me I did a, did a good job no matter what, because she's just really nice. Um, so week two, uh, I want to start with a hypothetical a situation. It's not real. Hopefully it's not real because it'd be scary if it actually happened to you. But just imagine this happening to you. Imagine you're uh, walking around in a grocery store. The introverts are already like, this sucks. This is a horrible, horrible thing. Imagine an, an, a total stranger, never seen this person before in your life, walks up to you. And they say, hey, where were you last night? How would you respond to that? That's weird, right? Like, if I, if, if I have someone ask me that, that I don't know, I would immediately go, do I know you? Like, what, what's going on here, right? It would be confusing. That's a weird question to ask somebody that you don't know. Then what if they said, well, you normally get home at this time and you weren't. Where were you? <laughs> okay, I'm slowly backing away now. Because if it was accurate, that's weird, right? And then what if they say, hey, can I see your phone? <sighs> No, random stranger, you cannot see my phone, right? And then what if they like pulled up their phone and they had like a picture of you on Facebook with somebody else and they said, who is that? I want to point out, if that happened, it would be weird for you to answer any of those questions, wouldn't it? You, you, that, that is out of place. That would be a weird thing for you to actually tell them, well, is that with the boys last night? Like that would be a weird thing. You shouldn't answer those questions, right? Totally weird situation. Now, take those exact questions though, exact same questions, put them in a different scenario. Say you're sitting on your couch in the morning with a cup of coffee and your spouse walks down and goes, hey, where were you last night? You, you should answer that question, right? right? You normally get home at this time, you weren't home. Can I see your phone? Yes, honey, here it is, right? Uh, who is this person in this picture with you? Same exact questions, but in that situation, it's weird if you don't answer, right? You had 
better answer those questions in that situation. Over here, totally weird if you would answer, right? Matter of fact, if you answer the questions over here, feel like there's a risk of you being murdered. But if you don't answer the questions over here, there's a risk of you being murdered, right? <laughs> it's the same result for the opposite uh, actions. Weird if you answered, weird if you didn't. Same questions, different person. Uh, so what I want to talk about today is the relationship between trust and transparency. Trust and transparency. Um, those scenarios, now, those scenarios, I picked those on purpose because they're on opposite ends of the spectrum. You know, the stranger, you have super uh, low trust, no trust, and, and, and low transparency with, right? Spouse, on the other hand, should be, should be high trust and high transparency, right? These are opposite ends of the spectrum. And in general, I think all of us would agree you don't answer the questions to the stranger. And in general, all of us would agree you do answer the questions for your spouse. But I want to point something out. You have a whole lot of relationships in your life that are in between the stranger and the spouse. And trust and transparency in between is a whole lot more nuanced. You have to think a little bit about how much you trust and how much you want to be transparent with the other relationships in your life. And even the relationship with your spouse, um, I would say maybe you're not satisfied fully with the level of transparency that you have. Hopefully you're satisfied with the trust level, but that's a different sermon. Um, but maybe you want to know each other even more than you already do. Um, so this is uh, I think an interesting subject, the relationship between trust and transparency. Uh, because you know not to answer those questions. Where were you last night? Can I see your phone? Whatever. You know that with the stranger. But at what point <laughs> in a relationship is it not weird to answer that? At what point in a relationship is, is it not weird to ask that? You know, if you're dating right now, how many dates do you have to go on before you can ask the person, where were you last night? And you're not a weird stalker and kind of, you know, hmm, a little clingy, like I need, to, I need to push away from that. At what point is it not weird? Because that's, that, that's not as easy to answer, right? Because the relationship between trust and transparency uh, is something we really need to dig into, and it's not so simple uh, as it seems at first. Now, I want to point something out. This is important, kind of flagging the ground as we go to talk about trust and transparency. Uh, we have to acknowledge this. Before sin entered the world, so way, 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 way back in the very, very, very beginning, uh, before Eve and Adam screwed everything up, relationships were different, right? So before sin entered the world, I want to read this verse to you. It's in Genesis 2, 25. We actually read it last week. We're going to read it again. Um, now the man and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. Both naked, and they felt no shame. Um, side note, do you realize how good Adam and Eve had it? Like, this is, it, it's so maddening. The, like, w the things God told, like, God, the mandate God gave them was be naked, have sex, rule the world, hang out with me in the cool of the evening, don't eat that fruit. And they screwed that up. So, 
Um, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I always think, like, I know heaven, we're going to be perfect, and, like, I'm not going to have this anger, but I kind of want to punch him when I get to heaven. Like, guys, you really, you really screwed things up for everybody. Um, but before they ate that fruit, before they did the thing that God said not to do, this was their relationship. Naked and no shame. No shame. And I don't believe it was dead. I don't think it means just naked physically. That was a part of it. But naked mentally, naked emotionally, naked spiritually. They, they were completely known and there was no shame. Completely known, fully known, fully loved, and fully accepted. No part of themselves did they try to hide or cover. No mask necessary, no facade, no pretending, no lying. They were fully open, full trust, full transparency, and fully loved. So before sin entered the world, trust and transparency came easy, right? This, this, is, this is easy. There is no sin. There isn't anything that I want to hide. There isn't any fear of what you're going to think about these things. Trust and transparency were safe. But now, unfortunately, we live on the other side of that, and trust and transparency are dangerous. When sin entered the world, their instinct, Adam and Eve's instinct, was to hide and cover up. And again, not just a physical thing. It wasn't just sewing fig leaves together behind the bushes. It was a mental, emotional, and spiritual thing as well. They hid. They had blown trust. They had reduced transparency, and they were ashamed to be known. And that's the world we live in now. That's our reality. Um, so I wanted to acknowledge that because I know there's some people sitting here today who, like, you really struggle with trust. You really struggle with transparency. And it's because you've been wounded here before. You've been wounded here before. You have had a close relationship. You've let somebody in and they stabbed you in the heart and they walked out. And now your temptation is to put that armor on, to put those walls up and not let anybody in. Because it's, it's a dangerous thing. You've been hurt before. And now you don't want to trust and you don't want to be known. Not like that. Uh, and I get it. I get it. Trust and transparency are dangerous. They are. You risk something when you trust someone. You risk something when you are transparent with someone. Um, but I want to point something out. And if this is you, if you really struggle with trust, you really struggle with transparency, I want to point something out. It is risky to trust. It is risky to be transparent. But it's also risky not to. Do you know that? It's also risky to not trust anyone. It's also risky to not let anyone know you. They're both risky. I just want to point that out because I know it's, it seems like I'm choosing the safe thing. It's either, you know, I risk trust and transparency or I'm safe not doing it. That's not true. They're both dangerous. Let me read you a quote uh, from a guy named C.S. Lewis. He's a really good guy. Um, if you're newer, I quote C.S. Lewis like all the time. It's a little obnoxious. I need to probably stop. Um, here's what he says. It was really good. He says, to love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will certainly be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give your heart to no one, not even an animal. Wrap it carefully around with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or the coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, dark, safe, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. The alternative to tragedy, or at least the risk of tragedy, is damnation, 
the only place, listen to this, the only place outside of heaven where you can be perfectly safe from all the dangers and anxieties of love is hell. So, so again, I just want to point you, if you struggle with trust, if you struggle with transparency, the alternative to, to not trusting and not, not having any transparency in your life is a really dark place, a really lonely place. If you want to have any love in your life at all, you have to risk trust and transparency. Now, I feel like the, as I wrote this sermon, I was like, I must have been in a weird mood because it's like this weird back and forth thing. I'm like, oh, first, hey, trust, trust and transparency are really scary, but, but, but you better do it because, you, because if you don't, you're not going to have any love in your life. And now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to back up again. And I'm going to say, hey, but hold on. Even if you are going to be trusting and transparent, you really need to be careful with that. You shouldn't be reckless with that. So I'm just going to keep push-pulling on you until you don't really know what to do. That's, that's how this sermon's supposed to go. Um, so check this out. If, you're not, if you don't have any trust and transparency, you're not going to have any love. So you need to have trust and transparency. But even if you are going to go for that, you need to be really careful how you do it. So listen to what Jesus says. Matthew 7, 6. He says, don't waste what is holy on people who are unholy. Don't throw your pearls to pigs. They will trample the pearls and then turn and attack you. Don't throw your pearls to pigs. I like that. I think the King James is don't cast your pearls before swine, but pearls to pigs is awesome. It's got alliteration and everything. So what's he saying? Don't trust what you consider sacred with people who you don't trust. Don't, don't, don't open yourself up like that to people who, who you're not on that level with. You need to be careful who, like how transparent you are and who you're transparent with. What he's saying is, it's a dangerous thing to have high transparency and low trust. It's a dangerous thing. They'll trample the pearls, turn around, and attack you. It's a dangerous thing. So you need to make sure that trust and transparency are, are close to even levels. And you know this, right? Like, have you ever met anybody who, like, just, like, they, out the gate, you just met them, and they're telling you, like, their whole life story? You ever met anybody like that? Like, they're telling you... Like their health problems, they're showing you things like scars and stuff. You're like, I didn't want to see that. Um, they're, they're telling you about their financial woes or their marital problems and all this stuff. And you're just sitting there and it feels weird. So forgive the comparison, but guys, have you ever been in the YMCA and there's an old guy walking around naked in the locker room? Anybody remember? They don't do it as much anymore. But remember that? You feel like a little bit like, what? I don't want to see that, man. Like, what are you doing? It feels the same way. Right? Somebody physically walking around naked, like, I didn't want to see that now, but you're over here bearing your soul to me. And I'm like, I don't want to see you physically naked or emotionally naked. I don't know you like that, right? It's weird. When, when transparency is high and trust is low, that's weird. And it is a dangerous situation. So be careful. I just want to acknowledge some of you are oversharers. Be careful with that. Careful with that. Jesus said it's a dangerous thing to have high transparency and low trust. But here's the thing. It's complicated. I mean, I'll just put it to you. Which one comes first? Trust or transparency? Which one comes first? You could make the argument either way. This is almost the chicken or the egg, isn't it? Because, because both are needed. Both, both grow the other and both can squash the other, right? You need to have trust in order to be transparent. But you need to be transparent in order to go trust. And they go backwards in the same way. If you start to lose trust, you'll immediately lose transparency. If you start to lose transparency, trust starts to dwindle. 
They're really interrelated. So I wish I could stand up here and tell you there's some scientific formula, like you need to have like five trusts before you have two transparencies and this, you know, like I wish it was like, I'm analytical like that. I'd love to be able to give you this like perfect step of how to grow this thing from, you know, stranger all the way up to however deep you want to go with whoever you want to go with. But there's not, it's, it's more artistic than that. It's more of a dance than it is anything else. And yeah, somebody has to lead when you're, when you're dancing. Somebody's going to have to take that risk and be transparent about something. And then they have to watch to see what the other person does with that transparency and then maybe they'll take the step and then it's, it's, it's really fluid and certainly different for every single person in every single relationship. So I don't have this like perfect step one, two, three for you. Um, but I will try to give you just three things uh, that I do think will increase your trust and transparency in your relationships. And again, I guess I just have to say it's a little bit of a weird subject because I don't think the goal in all of your relationships is full transparency, right? Like, the, I don't know, like your old high school buddy, you're like not trying to get to that level with him, right? Like you're okay saying, hey, we're going to get to like right here and, and we're good, you know, we'll, we'll be fine. Now with your spouse, I would say the goal would always be a, a pretty deep level of, of trust and transparency, right? You'd probably want to max that relationship out compared to all your other ones, but Everywhere in between, I guess you have to decide what level are we going for here? And that, man, you need God, you need the Holy Spirit, you need wisdom to be able to decide how deep you're going to go with the different people in your life. But if you want to, if you have some relationships in your life where you're like, you know what, I, I'd really like for there to be more trust here. I'd really like for there to be a little more transparency. I want, I want somebody to know me and I want to know them on like a deeper level, these are three things I think that will help you uh, deepen the relationship, and especially if you're married. Uh, so first thing, first thing that will build trust and transparency is truth, truth. I hope this would be obvious, but truth. Ephesians 4.25 says, stop telling lies. Let us all tell our neighbors the truth, for we all are all parts of the same body. I love the way he... he um, there's a connection between truth and, the, and, and like being connected to other people, right? Hey, stop with the lies because you're connected to other people. And in order to be connected to other people, you need truth. So truth builds trust. Truth builds transparency. And you know the opposite, right? Lies destroy trust. Lies destroy transparency. It does. Man, I hope you know. I hope you know just how valuable of a thing trust is. Do you realize, like, think about the economy of trust. Think about how, how incredibly wild it is that, that for many people to increase in trust, to go across this, this stage towards trust, it takes a ton of truths, just a ton, to get over here to a place where you say, man, I really trust that person. If you're saying you really trust somebody, you probably have a whole lot of truth that got you to that point. But how many lies does it take to take you all the way back over here? just one. You, you need a whole bunch of truth telling, a whole bunch of transparency for, for uh, your trust to increase, but it just takes one deception to destroy the whole thing. Do you realize how, how incredibly valuable that makes that? If you have anybody in your life who you say, I trust them, man, or they trust me, I would hope that you would value that at just about the highest thing that there is in your life. Trust is expensive. Now, 
I want to point something out that's risky, but I hope you, I hope you won't misuse it. I don't trust you, but <laughs> maybe, maybe you will. Maybe you won't. I don't know. Um, I told my kids this the other day, and I've, I regretted it immediately because I feel like they're going to use it against me. Um, but here it is. There's a difference between honesty and candor. Do you know that? Honesty and candor. So honesty is telling the truth, right? And we're always supposed to be honest. Candor is telling, <laughs> like, the whole truth, okay? Um, telling, tell, it, the, the truth is about, like, depth, and then candor would be more about, like, width, like, what you say, um, what you choose to reveal, um, so I, again, you could misuse this, but like for, as, if you're a Christian, you, you probably know that we're, we're supposed to be honest. We're supposed to be honest. That's, untruths should not come out of our mind. We're supposed to be honest uh, with people in our life. We're not supposed to, to lie. However, depending on the relationship, um, you're not always supposed to be candid, as in just because a thought or a feeling pops into your mind or your heart doesn't mean you should Share it with people, right? Some thoughts are inside thoughts. You need to keep them in there, right? Um, now, I, again, there's a risk of, being, of misusing this, but like, so no matter where you are on the spectrum, from stranger to spouse, you need to be honest, right? Just because I'm not telling the stranger where I was last night doesn't mean I have to lie to him about it either, right? So you, we could say as Christians, you're supposed to be honest. You're never supposed to tell a lie. But depending on where you're at in this spectrum, how much you're revealing, and really this candor thing is more about revealing what's inside here. How much you're revealing about yourself is a decision that you have to make. And again, it's always risky. Now, the place where you can't use this, let's think about scenarios where this kind of idea of, oh, I'm always honest, but I'm not always candid. Um, so a wife asks a husband, how many holes of golf did you shoot? And he says, nine. And then she finds out later that he shot 18. And he goes, but I shot nine. I didn't lie. I, I told the truth. I just tell you the whole truth. You deserve to be punched if you use it that way. So I'm giving her permission for that. And that's slimy, right? Even that's just, a, that's, that's intentionally like leaving something out. That's not what I mean. I mean more the internal things. As you're revealing things about yourself, as you are getting to know someone more and more, you have to choose always honest, but not always revealing everything in every moment because it's risky and you have to have the trust to go with it. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stereotype now. And I'm telling you I'm going to stereotype so it doesn't count. Because I said that I'm stereotyping, so I'm now allowed to because I said I'm going to and I have the self-awareness enough to know this is a stereotype so I don't pay any price for it, right? Listen, first it was scary first service, but after I said the thing, like somebody said amen, so I feel good. Um, one person. I'm going off the one amen. All right, so in general, in general. Not everybody, in general. General, women are better at transparency than men. Is that fair? Okay. If you're watching online, I'm sorry, but it's true. It's true. Um, in, my, in my interaction with married couples, one of the most common complaints I get is that a, a wife doesn't, it's not an accusation of dishonesty. She's not saying the husband is dishonest. She wants to like know him on a deeper level and she feels like she does it. She feels like he's like a steel trap and pulling anything out of him is difficult. Not a liar, just 
she doesn't know him. And, and that's a really common complaint I get, um, that men are just not as good at transparency as women. Women seem to be much more natural at this. So two things, two things. Ladies, listen to me. When you ask your husband how he's feeling, most likely, it's not, it's not that he has these really well-articulated thoughts sitting inside of him, and then he's sitting there going, I ain't telling her. <laughs> That's probably not it. You think it, you think it is. Sometimes you're like, ah, I want to know, I want to know what's going on in there. You know what? So does he. Because listen, we, I, I will just say this, men, we, we struggle to be like, a, we, we're, we're just kind of emotionally ignorant. We don't know how we feel about stuff. Um, unless you catch us when we're angry, we can tell you that one, we're real good. We can speak one language really, really well. The rest of them, we, we're, we have a hard time with. We have a hard time with. So I just, I guess I, I kind of wanted to maybe ease a little bit of uh, your frustrations just to say, I don't think he's intentionally not telling you. I just think he probably doesn't know either. And by the way, that's really important. That's a thing that we need to consider as we're talking about transparency. If you want to like be known by other people, <laughs> you're going to have to know yourself, right? You can't share what you don't know. So you're going to, guys, this is our homework, right? We got to do a little bit more self-reflection. We got to understand what's going on inside of us a little bit better if we want to be able to tell anybody else about it. And I'll tell you, men, a lot of your wives, they do. They want more of that. So you need to be a little bit better about the self-reflection. Um, however, and the, okay, uh, stereotyping over. Um, if you want... If your goal is to get to know someone better and you're trying to like draw them out of themselves, you know, you want the walls to maybe drop, you want the gates to open, you want to be able to know somebody better, two things you shouldn't do. One, and I mean, I can, I can use a married couple as, again, if, if a husband finally does open up and tell you something that he's been dealing with, some kind of feeling that he finally has figured out he's having, don't tell anybody else. The thing that he told you. Don't call your mom. Be like, he finally did it. He finally, the walls came down, mom. Please don't do that. You will never hear another feeling out of him again in your entire life. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't, don't go tell the girlfriends. Don't, don't, don't do that. If he tells you this is a sacred thing that he has given to you, you keep that. That's not yours to share. Now, here's the second thing you don't do. That one, you know, maybe some of you do, but... This one's much more common. If someone tells you what's going on inside of them, you cannot use it against them later. You can't do that. Because I'll tell you, again, I'll put it back in the guy. Like, if, if a guy is feeling something and, and he's you know, been knocked on the door of his soul, like, what are you feeling in there? Sometimes it feels like the police are knocking and saying, anything you say can and will be used against you later. So if you tell me what you're feeling, I'm going to bring it up later. And he wants to plead the fifth because he's afraid that you're going to bring the, yeah, you told me you felt that, and now here we're using it here. Man, if you want a level of transparency, you're going to have to be really good about not taking that thing that you know now and using it as a weapon later. That will, again, if you want to see him clam up, if you want to see him never tell you stuff, that will do it. That will do it. And by the way, that might be where you're already at. And that one's going to need a conversation where you guys, you guys talk about that. Somebody apologizes, probably everyone. 
and you try to start fresh with uh, truth and transparency. So that's the first thing. Truth builds trust. Truth builds transparency. Second thing, if you want to grow truth, uh, trust and transparency, uh, own your stuff. I'll say it that way. It's church. Own your stuff. Can you own your stuff? Own your stuff. If you want to build trust and transparency, um, own your sin. Own it. Own your dysfunction. Own your inadequacy. Acknowledge that you've got, you got, and don't just say, I'm not perfect. No, no, no. Be specific. I hate it when, oh, I know I have, I have things. What are they? List them, please. Like, we need to know. In a conversation like that, details are important. Take responsibility for your own dysfunction. Because think about it. Have you ever known anybody who, like, refuses to acknowledge their own mess? Refuses, like, you, in their eyes, you are 100% wrong, and they are 100% right. Like, if you've ever been in, a, in a, even just a situation like that, doesn't it feel like there's just a lack of truth? And like, they're not, again, they're not even being honest with themselves to even know that they have some kind of imperfection, some kind of wrong, some kind of dysfunction. It feels like there's a lack of truth going on. And again, if you don't have truth, you're going to trust gets reduced and transparency gets reduced. So you need to own your stuff. Let me give you the, the theme verse for every marital fight. Don't quote this. Don't. But it's important, but don't. 1 John 1.8, if we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. I can just see it now. Pastor said, John, 1 John 1.8, really? But we do. In a, in a normal, everyday relationship, if there's something that happens where there's a fight, almost never is it 100% one person is wrong and 0% the other person is wrong. Almost never. Almost never. And I'm not, listen, some of the big stuff I'm not, I'm not blaming, I'm not victim blaming here or anything. I'm, I'm just saying normal every day, meh. It's almost never 100 to 0. And usually, let's be honest, even if it was 100 to 0, your response to the 100 then put one on you, right? Because you had a sinful response to their sin and then now, now the bullets are flying. So almost never is, it, is, there, a, is there a fight you're going to have or, or some kind of dysfunction that you're going to have where it's just one person apologizing and the other person saying, I accept your apology humbly. <laughs> Usually both need to apologize. And man, that's the thing though. If you get to that point where we're both not doing the pride thing, we're just going to, no, I care more about the relationship than being right in this situation. So I'll apologize for whatever I, whatever I can because I want to I increase the closeness here. I want to increase the transparency and the trust in this relationship. Own your stuff. No matter how small it is, own it. And that will increase trust and that will increase transparency. So that's the second thing. First thing is truth. Second thing is owning your stuff. Third thing, if you want to build trust and transparency in your relationships, is sacrifice. Sacrifice. Um, give yourself. Treat someone better than they deserve. Don't demand your rights in the relationship, and that will increase trust and transparency in that relationship. Jesus famously said in John 15, 13, there is no greater love and to lay down one's life for one's friends. That's pretty crazy. Like, I, if you grew up in church, you've heard that verse like a million times. But like, think about that. He just equated the greatest love. He said, there's no love higher than this. And then he put the greatest sacrifice, self-sacrifice. He said that they're, they're both peaking right there. 
So the, there's a connection between love and sacrifice. There's a connection between the, the closeness to another person and the amount you're willing to give of yourself for that person. And the opposite is true as well. The worst kind of relationship is the kind where each person is demanding their rights, right? You ever, you ever hopefully you've never been in one, but have you ever watched it happen from a distance, hopefully from a good distance, where it turns into a tug of war? Where a person's saying, I want this, well, I want this. Well, meet my needs. Well, you need to meet my needs, right? You did this, so, or I did this, so you should do this. Well, I did this, so you should do this. And there's this pulling on, on each side, demanding their, their needs be met, demanding them, them as, a, as a person, I, I need this, I want this. And, and you can see visually what happens as the t- game of tug of war is played is the distance between the two people grows and grows and grows as you pull towards your own selfish corners. That's not the way it's supposed to be. A healthy relationship is built on some level of mutual sacrifice, especially a marriage. Paul talked about trying to outdo each other in showing honor, trying to outdo each other in in putting the other person first. So instead of a visual that goes like this, it's supposed to be like, I want to push you up. No, 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 I want to, I want to, I want to be, I want to elevate you. And then the relationship grows closer. Trust and transparency increase and love grows. When's the last time you put the other person first? We did the dishes. Shut up. Dishes don't count. Make your kids do the dishes. And then wash them again when you get them out of the cupboard for safety. Guys, it's a total side note. I know we have the music playing, but I have to tell you this. This is not a music playing type of a story. Keep going, it's okay. I was gonna make, no, this is sacrificial. I was gonna make pancakes. It was yesterday, yesterday morning. A little five-year-old woke up, what's for breakfast? I'm like, grab a Pop-Tart. Um, but he wanted pancakes, so I'm making pancakes. I always put the chocolate chips in them. I went to go get a spatula out of the drawer. And I kid you not, I pulled it. It's a black spatula. I, it was like this progressive thing. I pulled the thing out. Someone had used it to make scrambled eggs and just put it back. I was like, what is this? It was black, and it's just yellow. I sacrificially washed it and still made pancakes, even though the five-year-old was on the list of people who potentially did that. Sacrifice is necessary if you want to build trust and transparency. So those three things, speak truth. You have to have truth. If you want to have trust and transparency, you have to have truth in relationships. You gotta own your stuff. If you wanna have trust and transparency, you better own some things because you're not perfect. You got some stuff. And if you wanna increase trust and transparency, put the other person first. Now, part of the reason we aren't transparent, I just, actually, maybe it's most of the reason. Most of the reason we aren't transparent is just one word fear. Fear. At any level. I mean, over here, like the stranger, the stranger asking (laughs) where you were last night, why wouldn't you tell him? Yeah, a little afraid, right? But, But that's true every step of the way. You have a fear of being transparent because you're afraid if they really know who you are, then they will reject you. 
So that's why as you go closer and closer to over here, you know, transparency hopefully continues to grow and continues to get easier because this foundation of trust that they're not going to walk away from you if they find this thing out about you that you've been kind of hiding from everybody. Hopefully they love you to the point that they're not going to walk away. But, but everywhere in between, it's terrifying. You actually, think about that. How crazy is that, that you're presenting a, a version of you to the world because you're afraid if they knew the real you, they'd reject you. It's fear. And hopefully, in your marriage relationship, <laughs> that doesn't happen. But it is a risk. Here's the truth. They might. You have any kind of, any level of relationship with a person and they find something out about you, they might say, yeah, I don't want to be around them anymore. They might. There is a risk in that. There's only one relationship where it's guaranteed not to happen. And that is your relationship with God. But here's the thing. Some of you, in your prayers... And by the way, I just want to clarify, when I say prayers, I don't mean like a list of asking God for stuff, just so you know. I mean your conversation with God. So I'm assuming something there, that you know that prayers aren't just about the list of things that you're asking God for, that prayers are also just pouring your heart out before God. I'm assuming you, you have maybe both, and if you don't, you need to have both, not just a list of things um, that you're praying for, and that is important. I'm not saying you shouldn't have a list, but I'm also saying that you should have prayers where you're communicating with God. You're just with Him kind of telling him what's going on in life, telling him whatever's going on in here. But some of you, when you pray, you like either consciously or not aren't telling God everything. You're like withholding some things from the omniscient God of the universe. You're, you're doing what Adam and Eve did way back in the garden. You're hiding behind a bush sewing fig leaves together like God doesn't know where you are. He already knows. So I guess what I, what I want to point out is if you've got things that you're thinking or feeling and you're in those moments of prayer, I really want to push you to 100% transparency. He's the only one you can go all the way and there's no risk. None. Because Jesus came to earth and died on the cross for all of our sins, all of our mess, all of our dysfunction. So you know that God is the only one. He goes past the marriage relationship. There's no greater love than, than his love for you. So you can be fully transparent, fully known, and fully loved. 1 John 4.18 says, Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it's for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced this perfect love. I love the way John puts that. Why aren't you telling God stuff? Well, you, oh, you think he's gonna be mad at you? Well, one, he already knows. And two, he already died for it. You're free, you're clear. And if you're withholding things from God, typically, if you're trying to hide stuff from God, even though he already knows it, it's really hard for God to heal what you're hiding. You, you have to come to a place that you lay it before his throne before he can even do anything with it. So all you're doing, you're not hiding anything because he already knows it. All you're doing is preventing your own growth. Open it up. 
because he loves you right where you are, not some idealized, you know, 10 years from now when I really get my stuff together, God's going to love me. No, no, no. He loves you right now in this mess and this dysfunction and this, this hole you can't climb out of. He loves you right now. And he loves you way too much to leave you there. And he wants you to open up to him. He wants you to bring it all to him because he wants to transform you. He wants to transform you. Worship team, why don't you guys come back up here? Maybe that's what you need. Maybe you need a, a prayer session extended, not a two-minute prayer, not a five-minute prayer, but you have some time where you're just able to open up to God. Bear your soul. Give it all to him. Pray with me. Jesus, I pray for the married couple that doesn't have the level of transparency that they should. I pray for a wife who's sitting in here, Lord, who's, who's longing to know her husband better. I pray for the husband who doesn't even know how to express what's going on inside of him, Lord, and I pray that you would be with them in that. I pray that you would, you would be present as they try to build trust and transparency, Lord. Give them understanding and wisdom as they take that, those steps together, Lord. And I pray that they wouldn't give each other a hard time about fumbling through it because sometimes it's hard. I pray for the person who's not married, who's trying to navigate all the other relationships and, and doesn't know what level of trust or level of transparency they should have with the different people in their lives. Lord, I pray you give them wisdom. That's hard. I pray for the person who's longing to have people know them better and longing to know people better, Lord, that you would direct them in the right place to connection with people. And Lord, I pray for the person who their prayers have been Adam and Eve prayers from behind the bush. Oh, Lord, I pray that they would both know deep down that you know them, you know them, and that you love them, that they would feel your love today, Lord, that you see everything. You're not turning away, you're not pushing away, you're not walking away. You're with them in that. I pray they would feel just saturated in your love today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.